Hello, everyone. Welcome to Gen C. Gen Z is Generation Crypto. These are the people who are raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. We also focus on how both Web2 and Web3 brands are building for these audiences and coming into the space so that you can do the same in your organization. I am Sam Ewan from Coindesk. Our co-host, as always, is Avery Ekinini from Vayner3. Avery, how are you doing this week? I am doing great. Always a pleasure to be here with you, Sam, and super excited about what we have planned today. I think it's a little bit different than some of the guests we've had before, so I'm fired up to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about our guest today? So today we have Kate Brady, and Kate runs all things next generation direct-to-consumer at PepsiCo. So PepsiCo is that food and beverage giant you know and love. They are the makers of delicious snacks like Doritos and Cheetos and Fritos and also delicious beverages like Pepsi and Gatorade and Mountain Dew and Life Water. So Kate's role is a little bit unique in that she actually works across this portfolio of brands to help them plan for the next generation and what could be more next gen than Generation C or our Web3 contingent. So that's what she oversees, among other things, just helping PepsiCo constantly reinvent their brands. Uh, It's going to be such a good conversation. Really excited. I know we had Todd Kaplan at Consensus last year, and I think you were involved with making that happen. So thank you for that. And now bringing Kate on, I'm just really excited for what's going to happen. But first, I think let's focus on just a couple of stories that have happened this week. My eye this week went to fashion. And I know we're like in holiday fashion world. People are buying each other clothes and socks and sweaters and all of that. But The stories that kept hitting my feed this week were all fashion related. And I just thought it could be interesting to sort of lump these together and talk with you for a second about what's kind of going on in the metaverse fashion world. So I'm going to start off by saying a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was even a month ago, I saw a story about the makeup brand NYX, which is NYX, I believe, and how they had created, in essence, a DAO for makeup artists, but not regular makeup artists, makeup artists who specifically do makeup looks for avatars. And so they created this interesting DAO, a concept around that. And there's a community around this emerging group of makeup artists. There's like fashion brands like DressX who are bringing augmented sort of fashion items that one can buy and see through augmented lenses. You see Dolce & Gabbana just had a big drop. I think it was yesterday, the day before. Avery, your thoughts on is digital fashion, especially NFTs of digital fashion, truly a thing now? Or is this still like a thing for the future? What's your take? I think the future of digital fashion is really bright because as people spend more and more time in digital ecosystems, it just makes sense, right? Like the same way you want different outfits, you don't want to repeat your outfit at a wedding or an event or something like that. I know at least that's me. The same thing is going to probably be true in the metaverse in the future. And I think the place where I see this the most here today is Roblox. So within Roblox, we're seeing Gen Alpha spend a ton of their time, a ton of their attention, and they're looking for sort of new in-game items. In more traditional gaming, obviously, there's things like skins. So we see a lot of that in places like Fortnite and others. But I think those are probably the furthest along. A lot of the other digital fashion stuff that you know we've been experimenting with with our partners as well has been sort of for these niche audiences to date. It's been, you know, like, let's test. Let's see if this is a thing. Let's do it a little bit of an experiment here. But we haven't really seen this take off in a major way yet. This idea of dressing your avatar 
though it seems like something that could make sense. Meta is clearly investing a ton here. Snap is doing this cool partnership with DressX that you know allows you to dress up your Bitmoji and different things and try on virtual fashion. Nike's done so very successfully with their app. So I think it's coming, but it's not here quite yet. It's my read on digital fashion. I like this idea that if I was in a kind of metaverse world, that every minute, every second, every hour, I could just change an outfit to a different thing just to represent how my mood or like how I wanted to represent at that moment was. It just does seem interesting. I keep trying to figure out like, is this where I put my money in to collect these things when it's much easier for me to have a infinite object or a digital frame on a wall that just shows, you know, the art collection that I have in a different way. Maybe the challenge to solve is like, where are you going to be able to showcase this stuff? Because you might have some really cool digital clothes, but like what avatar does that go on is still a question that I think is yet to be determined. Though I will say I'm really bullish on AR as a sort of middle layer as we work towards Web3. It's a thing that at Vayner3, we're going to be doing a lot more of next year. Because to us, AR is a lot more here than some of the theoretical metaverse platforms that we're hearing a lot from. Agreed. I think you know, and she's a good friend of mine, Dina Fierro over at NARS. So NARS just launched their MetaHuman project. I remember her telling me about it. They recorded a sort of a dancer. They put a motion capture suit on and had her do all these different movements so that they could then create digital avatars that have AI behind them and how they're working. And it's like, it just blows my mind, the fact of where this stuff is going to go. It really doesn't feel like it's a if, it really feels like a when. And I'm just really excited to see it. In the same sort of fashion and beauty world, we're also seeing like Zales, for example. We all know Zales, all the commercials around buying diamonds around holidays. They're now doing something for this year where if you buy a diamond by the holidays and Christmas, you then get an NFT of the diamond purchase. I was trying to find out what that actually brought you and I couldn't find that out. But, you know, it was to me an interesting example of, you know, the holidays being a time where everyone wants to drop something that feels like it adds some more value. So like, are you seeing a lot of that happening this holiday season? I think NFTs as authentication is going to be a major thing. And we've seen this in fine wine. We've seen it a little bit in jewelry. We've seen it a little bit in luxury. But this idea of a digital receipt, I think is powerful. And we haven't seen a really breakthrough use case of it yet. But it makes so much sense instead of just a paper certificate of authenticity. So I'm really excited to see more of this. I haven't personally played around with the Zales thing. Maybe it means I'll need to go diamond shopping at Zales to figure out the NFT receipt. I think I'm a six and a half, by the way, on my ring, if you want. Are you? (laughs) Okay, got it. I'll get you some bling. There we go. I think that it's going to be something that we see more of, but this hasn't massively broken through in culture. It probably needs to be a big enough brand with a big enough audience and a you know dedicated enough following of people who are really going to see value in that. Because I think the friction point is many Zale shoppers might not yet even know what an NFT is, nor see the value in that digital receipt, may not have a way to custody that. There are some challenges of, you know depending on who the sort of target demographic is, making that a simple process. But I love the idea of NFTs as authentication. Which perfectly gets us to our guest, right? Who is someone who is focusing on how do you bring this technology to billions of people? Because that's how many people your product touches. So with that, after the break, we're going to come back with Kate Brady from PepsiCo, who's going to tell us about her journey into Web3 and why it's important for the company itself. We'll see you in a minute. Join Coindesk's Consensus 2023, where Web3 meets IRL, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. 
immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer marketers, advertisers, brand leaders, creators, builders, founders, entrepreneurs, and more. All right, guys, we are here with an amazing guest. This is Kate Brady. She's the head of next-gen DTC connections and innovation for PepsiCo. PepsiCo is a big brand. We'll be getting into a lot of sort of how they've been thinking about and playing in this space. And I'm just really excited to sort of like understand how a brand with such breadth, really on such a global level, is sort of entertaining, experimenting, and then executing in the Web3 space. With that, I'm going to throw it over to Avery with some first questions. Awesome. Well, Kate, I am so honored you took the time out of your super busy schedule to join us, especially right ahead of the holiday season. I'm honored that you're here. And for our listeners, Kate is one of the most talented marketers, leaders, and navigators of a large corporation that I have the pleasure to work with. In her role as the head of NextGen Direct-to-Consumer Connections and Innovation at PepsiCo, Kate actually oversees a number of innovation programs on behalf of PepsiCo's many billion-dollar brands, both sort of net new startups or brands that everyone has heard of and loves, everything from Doritos and Mountain Dew to Pepsi and beyond. So Kate, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much, Avery, for all of your guidance and support over my past few months as I've been really entering into the space and learning so much from you as well. Oh, so nice of you. So Kate, tell us a little bit about your Web3 journey. How did you first hear about Web3 NFTs and what made you interested in this space, you know, personally and professionally? Well, I would probably take a step back and say, you know, I've been in marketing for over 20 years now, which is kind of mind boggling to me. But at this point, it's been over 20 years, over 12 years, almost 13 now in Pepsi. And as a part of that, you know, I've always been really passionate about technology and innovation. And I can remember back to, you know, that early, you know, 20 years plus now, one of those big consumer engagement programs that I first worked on on the agency side as a media planner on AT&T Wireless. And we had just started our partnership with a brand new show called American Idol. And at that time, we had this breakthrough idea to leverage this nascent technology known as SMS or text messaging to actually vote for your favorite contestant. And this was over 20 years ago at the time. I think it was 2001, 2002 that we started this. And at that time, texting wasn't a thing. And we literally had to teach people how to text to become a part of this campaign. And I remember it revolutionized the results that we saw. And I remember putting out these cards that actually educated people on how to toggle through your numbers so that you could get the right letters and vote for the before you hit send. And while 20 years ago seems like such a long time, it's also wild to think about how far the technology has come in those 20 years. But that campaign really sparked my passion and interest in technology and how it can drive innovation and engagement with consumers in the future. And so I've always been curious about how we can find these new tech-driven solutions to improve existing ways of working. And that's been a really big driver in the work I've done. And Web3 really fits squarely in that because you know it's been that next iteration, that biggest innovation. And I think it's going to be a revolution for the way the internet works. And so my exploration in Web3 specifically started just about a year ago. And it was really late December of last year. At the time, I was leading global media innovation and partnership development for PepsiCo. And one of our executives reached out to me and said, hey, have we built out a strategy for Metaverse? And is it something we should be investing in? And at this point, the team I'm in now didn't exist. So it was a a still area. There wasn't anyone really focused or dedicated to learning about this space. 
But that was really the initial catalyst that started my journey to which ultimately led me here today, leading NextGen D2C and Connections and Innovation, which has a pretty broad remit, but is essentially focused on identifying and building capabilities internally for PepsiCo to create meaningful two-way conversations and connections across all of our consumer touchpoints in existing channels, but also new channels like what we know Web3 is going to offer in the future. And so this also leads into you know, the development of our Web3 Center of Enablement, which you know, the team at Vayner has been a huge help in, in building out. And that you know, we're building this out for our global PepsiCo organization. And we see a huge opportunity here to connect at a whole new level with fans and communities in the future. And so I'll say I'm still absolutely learning and growing in this space, which is part of the appeal of this role and getting to surround myself with people who I can learn from every day and experiment with and test and learn is such an awesome opportunity. And so my interest started in this space has really transformed for the better compared to where I started just a year ago. And I'm so excited to see what it's going to look like in a year from now, but I'm even more excited to see what's going to happen five years from now when I do believe that like the masses are really going to start adopting this technology. Shout out American Idol. I haven't thought about American Idol in a while, but that was an amazing show. Is American Idol still on? I think it is still on. I think it is still on too. It's a classic. But can you imagine? You didn't know what to text back then. Exactly. And I think that's such an apt metaphor because, you know, if you look back 20 years, people probably thought that was like, wow, you're going to get a consumer to send a text. That's so much work. And now we're having the same conversation. You're going to consumer to create a wallet. You're going to ask them to take an action. And this stuff always starts small, but then it continues to build and build until it's absolutely ubiquitous. And I think one of the things that I'm starting to see, you know, this is our fifth show, I think. And Avery and I have spoken to some amazing folks. Almost all of them really come to the innovation first, right? And it's the idea that like innovators are going to innovate is the way that marketers in the innovation space think, but it's not actually how like traditional marketers in media think. And so I do think that there's an unlock here, right? Which is the idea that being passionate about the experimentation and innovation leads you to take these chances and these steps that, you know, my guess is you're not just looking at Web3, you're looking at 20 different things. And then five of them are going to become major opportunities in the future. Staying on the innovation theme, how do you think of kind of the tool set? You know, there's a creator economy opportunity an ownership economy opportunity how we think of wallets, how we think of kind of IRL events and token gating and all that stuff just seems very exciting to me. But it's hard for me to wrap my head around the scale that Pepsi is in the world and how it'll utilize those. So I'm just like wondering your thoughts on this tool set and what it does for fans and customers. Yeah, it's a great question. And we've been exploring many of the different tools that we think Web3 can offer us in the future across a number of different pilots that we've executed over the past few months and a number that we're still working on to hope to execute over the next couple of months ahead. And you know, prior to me leaning into this space, our Pepsi brand team dropped the first generative art collection for their mic drop effort. And since then, we really haven't stopped. I think it's been only accelerated since we started establishing this team to really help drive those. And we've continued to lean into the NFT space to enhance our activations. But we've also brought in new fans to our communities, like what we've done with Gatorade and our Player of the Year effort where for the first time, we memorialized these student athletes with their own collection of NFTs that not only celebrated their achievements in a fun and new way, but it also leveraged that connection to provide ongoing donations to an amazing youth sports organization 
and they benefited from these sales on both primary and secondary marketplace, which is amazing. We've done a number of different PO apps to celebrate and commemorate some of our activations, both in real life and virtual. We've tapped into our do fans gaming culture and enhanced our in real life activations there like never before. We developed this immersive Web3 experience in Decentraland that brought the Call of Duty major event with their subliners team to a much greater audience. And even more fans were able to make it to this virtual world than ever in Brooklyn. And new fans that hadn't really been exposed to a Call of Duty major before were brought into the fold. Through this, you know, we expanded those esports fans and drove brand champions who spent roughly 14 minutes of their time in our space. And they took the wearables that we provided with them all over Decentraland. So it expanded our presence beyond just our dedicated space into the whole world, which was awesome. And it gave them this opportunity to have this amazing collectible that they could either keep or monetize for their own benefit. So I love that aspect of it as well. We've driven purely virtual experiences like what we did with Cheetos and Horizon Worlds to provide a fun Halloween-themed gaming experience, but also gave the users the ability to resurrect some retired flavors, so really putting the choice in their hands. And we've amplified some of our partnerships to enhance those experiences with collectibles and sweepstakes associated with it, like what we did with Frito-Lay and the recent partnership with the FIFA World Cup. We did this past the ball challenge that was even tied to codes on our packaging. So those are a few. We've also you know, used NFTs to provide digital experiences. One that's actually dropping this week. I'm not sure when this podcast drops. but um, So by the time I assume that this drops, we'll have launched our mic drop community and our community site, where we'll be providing the community an opportunity to enter an instant suite that's going to give them a chance to win an awesome digital collectible to commemorate the launch, but plus a sweet beanie that's perfect for the season, but also exemplifies our ties as a brand to music. But we see Web3 as a great tool to provide new solutions to existing challenges across the market. Another example, in Argentina, we could no longer provide characters on our packaging. So we sent Chester Cheetah in Argentina to the metaverse. And so it was a great way to kind of have a storyline behind why that change was happening. And so you know we see this as a great enabler of driving our pet positive goals long term as well. We also recently executed an MVP called NFT Tazos, which is a really culturally relevant collection based on the retro Tazos game played in Mexico. And we're associating that with our rewards app in Mexico, which is called Joy. And we're trying to see how that can really lead to us leveraging more of a tokenized rewards opportunity globally across all of our rewards platforms. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like PepsiCo is doing so much in the Web3 space. Just doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying a lot. <laughs> yeah. What I think is really interesting is this sort of pilot approach, right? Because many of the brands that you're talking about, Kate, you know, they're not Web2 brands. They existed way before the web. So we're talking about Chester Cheeto. We're talking about Pepsi. We're talking about these highly beloved brands that have all of these consumer and cultural touch points. And you're adding in this whole other dimension of global, right? Most of our listeners here are listening from the United States. And when you look at the total population and you look at the total potential reach and potential engagement, I think some of the emerging markets are where we're going to see the most activity for some of these programs and some of the development. So let's talk a little bit about like a favorite one. Maybe we can talk about the Pepsi mic drop. There's always these sort of top trending collections and brand collections. And a fun fact about the Pepsi mic drop is it's always heralded as one of the brand NFT collections that did the most in revenue, but PepsiCo didn't take a penny, which I think is really interesting. 
It was a free to claim, zero royalty. I remember trying to get that one and failing miserably at getting it. Yeah, so there was originally a small collection launched just about a year ago. And as Kate mentioned, the Mic Drop community is actually... I mean, it's continued to build through partnerships like Billboard Music Awards and other things. But in fact, the Mic Drop community site is launching. Everybody go check it out when you're listening to this podcast. But what I wanted to get into on that was how you really think about this idea of digital collectibles. Because obviously, your brands create physical products. But as people spend more and more of their time online, how are you thinking about these sort of digital collectibles and what they can unlock for your brand? Is it heritage? Is it memorabilia? Is it social signaling that they're a big fan of your brand? What do you sort of think about the future there? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And thanks for the shout out about the website dropping this week. I will say it is themicdrop.pepsi.com. If you're looking for it, please go check it out. But like Avery said, we had this you know great drop back in last December where we did a free mint featuring 1,893 NFTs. And it was granted a very different time in this space, but it did provide us with that clear signal that people are so excited to own artwork associated with our brand. And we love that it provides that direct line to the mic drop community. You know, we have passionate fans who love our brands. And I think that's just a great signal for us to lean into. So, you know, we're focused on trying to unlock utility for all of our future drops to drive even deeper engagements. But I think, you know, the mic drop was a great kickoff for all of these efforts. And, you know, another one that we just did that I think got some great PR was the Pepsi Black Drop that we did in India. It featured such beautiful artwork, and it was a collection of 22 animated pieces that was done by this really great 3D artist, Tamio Balo. I'm hoping I'm not butchering his name. But the NFTs were given to these 22 winners of a Pepsi Black contest, which you know was a social contest running on a short video app site in India called Moj. And it was in that market only. But this campaign received over a billion views. And we had more than 300,000 people submit UGC for this effort. So, you know, it really drove people were passionate about participating with the brand and, you know, getting a piece of this art. And so activations like these and other Web3 initiatives we see as like huge avenues for customers to really participate and engage with your brands, but also give you explicit and direct insights into their current interests and providing voluntary, you know, data, zero and first party data as a brand lead. That's a really big, important unlock for me. And you know, it helps us understand how we can act on what those interests that they have authentically. And you know, additionally, the on-chain analytics opens up an entire new data stream than we've ever been able to have before. And that really will help us facilitate these deeper experiences with more meaningful connections than we've ever had before. You guys sponsored major concerts and sporting events. You know, every NFT you've dropped right now probably doesn't equal the amount of people who go to one game, who are like seeing your product on every cup that they're getting when they're getting a soft drink. So one, I would love to understand just like how to look at the fact that you guys are spending a lot of effort and money on something that right now is a small audience for Pepsi. But then I think when you just mentioned the Black campaign, which is something I was tracking as well and was really impressed with, like the fact that you said a billion impressions on it for only 22 rewards, right? But people really were passionate. They were trying to get something. Tell us a little bit more on, you know, a lot of folks, I think, accuse Web3 of being there for a press release and then you kind of walk away. But like stuff on the blockchain is there forever, right? Those mics are going to exist forever. And so how do you look at this from a not a three to six month perspective, but from a three to six to 10 year perspective as an opportunity for the brand? I think you are so spot on with that point. You know, I think 
what we should be considering when we're as PepsiCo, our brands are launching initiatives. You know, there's a couple of ways that we need to approach this from both an internal and then like from a community perspective. And so from an internal side of things, you know, it's so important that we are understanding the space and exploring what other brands are doing and what's worked and what hasn't worked and what's bringing value to the experience and how it's enhancing the community at large. You know, there's so much education that needs to happen both within our team, but also with our cross-functional stakeholders. And so we spend so much time educating and ourselves, but also the teams to bring them up, you know, to make sure that we're taking everybody along especially if this is something that's new to an organization like it is to most, I would imagine. Having that cross-functional stakeholder like journey with you is critical. And given the limited regulations that are currently in place, to ensure that you're mitigating risk to, you know, that you won't likely be able to jump in like what you might see every other brand doing. I know at least at PepsiCo, we're extremely focused on structuring ourselves to ensure that we're compliant with the existing regulations. And while it might be frustrating that security laws were written in 1933 and we're still framing things against those, you know, it's something that's just a reality. So we might have to take a beat before we can proceed just to ensure that we are fully covered in what we need to do. But I think what's most important is just like surrounding yourself with the people who are native to the space or really ingrained in the space. You know, and as I'm looking to build my team, I'm looking to partner with as many people that can help upskill me and my team and you know our organization as the space is just evolving at a meteoric pace. But then on like the activation space, I think like you said you are so spot on that NFTs are forever. And so of course, you know, the capabilities are going to evolve as the tech evolves, but you have to be so sure that you know what you're putting out there is really what you want to be out there forever and you know, that the project is delivering against your objectives and that you feel proud of it and that it's something that you're going to want to be out there. And, you know, it's providing value with these fans. And the last thing you want is someone to have a constant reminder in their wallet of a less than ideal experience. So like, it's so critical to make sure that it's past that like test that yes, it's spot on, we're ready to launch. But it's critical to ensure that you're focused on coming from a community first mentality versus a brand first. And that you know, that can take some adjustments, especially for like a traditional marketing organization. And some of the very simple insights that we've been focused on as we've been launching more activations is not focusing on like the Web3 language as we're looking to drive adoption. The more successful efforts that we've seen, at least as of late, has been like Starbucks not using the terms NFTs and like talking about things as digital assets or collectibles. You know, I think this is a conscious effort like Reddit using Vault instead of Wallet. I think it's smart because there's a lot of just instant bias around some of the language already. And so I think it helps trying to remove some of those barriers because I think, you know, people don't recognize how powerful the technology is and they just get stopped by the terminology. And so while the news of late, you know, has really made some people pause on the opportunities, given whether it's the crypto winter or the bear market that we're facing or FTX's implosion, but Right now, I actually feel more optimistic about the future here because while it was insane watching all of the speculative trading over the past year, like see now we're like shifting towards what the future of the space will really be and it really leading into that utility idea and what it offers. So like the ability for NFTs to unlock value and have experiences for those who really want to participate with our brands and become a part of our community because our brands have unique offerings that few others can offer. So I'm hoping 
you know, while FTX situation was crazy and bad, I'm hoping it'll actually force the regulations that we as a massive enterprise are actually really eager to see because it'll provide that clarity on what we really can or can't do that has been so undefined to date and made my job that much harder. So hopefully it'll make it a little bit easier to move. I think a lot of the Web3 natives, you know, don't realize some of the implications from a legal and a financial perspective that as a very big company like PepsiCo, you need to be dealing with day to day. Shout out Pepsi legal team who has probably heard us talk to them way too much about NFTs and Web3. And I think that their partnership has been important in order to move some of these forward. And I think a lot of brands who might be listening to this might be in similar situations and looking at a lot of the positive use cases and understanding the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into creating that legal alignment and also creating the right protections for enterprise companies. One thing that I would love to get your perspective on, PepsiCo is involved with a ton of IRL events. And many of your brands are major sponsors in the sporting category and music in all different types of activities and cultural connection points. Whether we're talking about Live Nation or NFL, some of your brands have naming rights all over the map. And I'd love to understand how you're thinking about the opportunity to connect IRL experiential activations and your digital strategies, potentially through Web3. I know we just partnered at Scope Beach during Art Basel, which was, I think, PepsiCo's first foray into sort of token-gated ticketing, but something that I think could have a lot of legs given the you know tickets you all have as part of your sponsorship agreements and the total number of things that you do to bring people together to celebrate and you know of course enjoy some delicious food and drinks so how do you think token gated events can help link digital and experiential strategies i loved 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 what we did with lifewater and shalin wallace that was such a hit and it was really really nice to have you join us on stage but that was obviously a small example and proof point. So where do you think we could go from here in that arena? Avery, I think you're 100% right. And I think it's just the start. And I think right now we are in that test and learn phase. So all of our efforts or most of our efforts are on the relatively small scale. But I think it was a great proof point to think that this is something that we can continue to evolve and grow and scale. And you know, I mentioned a couple examples of other in real life activations that we've tied to Web3 to enhance or become more immersive. But I think, you know, your example of what we just did at Scope Beach was a perfect one of, you know, how we bring LifeWater to Art Basel, leveraging token proof to gain access to this event. And, you know, I love that product. I think that, you know, what Fonz is doing is fantastic. And I love the idea of leveraging this technology as a part of our strategy. And it provides us with the opportunity to have deeper, more ongoing connections with our fans through their wallets. You know, and I love the fact that we can start finding ways to deliver incremental value, but gain what's insight on what's valuable for them, and then potentially start to provide, you know, understanding of who's really leaning in and provide them with additional value based on that. And so like, you know, our power users, people that are really invested in going to as many of our events or activated or really engaged communities, how do we provide incremental opportunities to them? And we can do that through Web3 like we can't do currently. I was having another conversation with someone else in the kind of CPG space the other day. And, you know, one of the things that hit me was, you know, as much as we might want to, like, people can't use digital soap. Yet, Sam, yet. There might be soap (laughs) in the metaverse. (laughs) (laughs) But where my head goes is, in the end, Pepsi and the related companies are businesses based on getting flavors in people's mouths, right? And how do we think through this idea of what are very digital first experiences? And I think Avery touched on it perfectly and with your answer, especially 
how do you bridge the digital to the physical? And then is there another step, right? Like I can only imagine the mic drop holders get the first taste of the new flavor or they get to vote on the new can. Like there's so many things that I think have those opportunities for then purchase. And then, so it's not only about whatever monies you may or may not make in the future on the Web3 initiatives, but in the end, how does this drive product and how does it like get more cans in hands? I think you're spot on and, you know, what we hope to be able to achieve. And I think the idea of the ownership aspect that Web3 offers and provides you with that really deeper connection to our brands and how you can potentially have a say in things. And I love the idea of leveraging Web3 for us to drive innovation and seeing what's really sparking with these communities and what they are really passionate about and getting that first look of like what works. You know, and I think from an R&D perspective, it's actually a really smart way to really use your fans to drive that consumer testing and understanding and gathering and driving that insight. Like we, you know, have never been able to get that level of insight before. So those are things that I think, you know, are a huge unlock for us in the future of driving our innovation with our products, with our messaging, with how we're connecting with our consumers. I think, you know, these are areas that we're certainly looking to lean into in the future. Just to follow up on that, you mentioned earlier sort of wallet analytics. So I'm a firm believer, I think Avery and I've talked about this multiple times, just the idea of wallet behaviors are frankly so much more powerful to me than just demographic data we're getting. How are you looking at wallet behaviors as something that might be indicators of like potential opportunities? It's a great question. I think we're still in the early stages of exploration, but I think that there's opportunities for us to unlock potentially new partnerships through this based on you know where we see some of those groupings. I think there's from an innovation perspective, if there's paths and trends that we can see coming out of things, I think that's an opportunity. I think there is so much here that we've only started to scratch the surface on. All right, I'm going to jump into the question on some of your favorite partners, because I know PepsiCo Labs has actually invested in a number of Web3 native startups. You have done a ton of diligence. And you know, Kate, you've heard pitches from probably like most groups in Web3 who are trying to have the opportunity to work with one of your brands. Are there a couple of Web3 native companies or you know, programs or projects that you're really interested in, either sort of personally or as a touchpoint for your brands? I know you mentioned token proof. So maybe you can explain a little bit of what that is and how that product works and what Fonz and his team have built. And I'd love to hear any others that have really stood out to you as a business leader. Yes, token proof has been a great partner. And you know, it was amazing to connect with Fonz while down at Art Basel and just to hear the excitement in his voice and his journey and hear about his journey and what he's been able to accomplish. And he had over 20, I think, different events that were occurring. But it's a great way for to tie into this, you know, provide this token gated access into these real life events and really start to build those relationships with those consumers at the event and then beyond, which is awesome. So I love the idea of that, especially as we talked about earlier about the plethora of different types of partnerships that PepsiCo has across all of our portfolio of brands. So we see it as a huge opportunity for the future. When I think about different collections, you know, I'm a huge fan of those that are driving more female inclusion into a typically male-dominated space. So I love what, you know, Boss Beauties and World of Women are doing to drive that. Avery, I think you're tied to probably both of them, but at least one of them, right? Um, Every side to everything. Yes. <laughs> Guilty as charged. I love both of those groups. And I couldn't be more with you. I try to support a lot of the women who are building in this space. Always rock my wow. I was actually on the first training session for Boss Beauties before it even launched. So I love that. Amazing. I love what BFF is doing, but it's about what you like, Kate. 
<laughs> Amazing. Well, I agree, though. I think it's so important to increase women's involvement in the tech space where we continue to be a minority. And so as the mother of two teenage daughters, you know, for me, that's also like super important. And I want them to see that opportunity in the future. So any effort that brings the you know women into the fold and places them at the center is really appealing to me. You know, but I also love just in general that NFTs have brought a whole new audience into the art space like never before. It's made art so much more accessible and attainable to like the scale of, you know, mass audiences that might have been so it might have been a very restrictive space. Um, so I love also how it truly benefits the creators like never before. And so I think that's awesome. I think poaps are fun. And, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting Patricio in Art Basel as well. And so you know, I think it's a great way to memorialize an event. You know, we've created a few for events and I think it's a great reminder of that experience. And I see it as like the new concert tea and it's much easier to take around than having to wear, you know, a, <laughs> a wardrobe of teas. But, you know, as I mentioned before, I think it's a great way also that you can recognize those super fans and celebrate that. So I'm excited to see how that tech evolves and like how we can start putting like superpower status on, you know, based on your collection. But the ones that I find like personally most valuable are the ones that offer real utility, either for a physical good or that provides you like that true access to things. And so from a brand perspective, I do see, you know, a path of more brands coming into the space with free minting collections that deliver a clear value exchange for engaging with and helping them build their communities. We're deeply focused on that right now. And what's that right level of value required for each brand and for each experience? And so we're really testing and learning. And that insight, I think, is going to be so valuable for us in our future efforts. My final question, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. You mentioned, you know, a year ago that this team you're on didn't exist, right? So if I'm a brand and I'm thinking about who do I need just to create like a core SWAT team to at least get me into the Web3 ecosystem, what do you think that looks like at a normal brand today? Uh, I think it is a mix of a lot of people. I think, you know, we've developed this, what we're calling our Web3 Center of Enablement. And it's a mix of people like myself who have strong innovation, transformation backgrounds, but also have a robust understanding of the enterprise and how to navigate the matrix organization as massive as ours. But I do think that that's important, whether you're a big or small company, to have someone that really knows, they understands the inner workings of those and how to navigate across cross-functional cross stakeholders. But it is so also important to bring in people who are upskilling you every day and that are bringing that outsider perspective, that incremental knowledge. And as many podcasts as I listen to, like I still know there's so much more I can learn in every day. It's part of what I love about this place, but it's exhausting too that I know that I'm never going to know as much <laughs> as I need to know. And I'm, so I'm going to constantly keep to stay on the pulse, especially as quickly as the space is evolving and how much is needed to know. So I think it's building a team that's a mix of people who understand the organization that you're working in, how to work with the people, how to navigate those waters, but also the people that are bringing really great expertise that understand the inner workings of the technology and can really help drive that forward. I think people who are hands-on practitioners is also something that's super critical. And PepsiCo has brought on, you know, not just on Kate's team, um, sort of around strategy and program planning, but also even developers who are very like Web3 native. And I think that we're seeing that trend with a lot of big companies who are looking to build this out. It's not something that you can like entirely outsource, right? You have to start building that capability internally, just like you had to build social teams and search teams and people who understand all aspects of marketing. So it's been amazing to see that growth. So Kate, as we wrap up, you touched a little bit on you know how this all started, which was 
your boss asking you, hey, do we have a metaverse strategy? How would you like sort of think about that? And you've done across the brands a couple of explorations, some Decentraland, some Horizon Worlds. What are your original takes knowing that it's the very early days, but a place that Gen Alpha is spending so much time like in Roblox with digital games and digital ecosystems? What's your take on the metaverse? So I do think that it will be massive, but I think we're many years away from anything like we've seen in Ready Player One or if we'll even get to that level. I think many of the current metaverse like metaverse platforms now will be those stepping stones to the future decentralized, interoperable, social commerce-driven platforms. But nothing currently is checking all those boxes. And so I also don't think that any of the existing metaverse platforms that are out here right now are probably going to be the ones that are the future metaverse that everybody's going to. But it also represents the best time for us to experiment and test and learn and find what works in the space. You know, we know that people are social creatures. And to your point, the young people who are going to be our future brand loyalists are in this space. So it's so important for us to engage with them the way that you can't use traditional media to engage with these younger audiences. So how do we do it in a way that really reaches them? And so, you know, there's vast new ways to socialize and connect with people that we may have never been able to connect with in real life. So this is a huge opportunity and it's awesome. But What I love is that this is the time for us to be able to play and figure this out and learn. And I love that. But you're right. The space is in its infancy right now. But what's better than getting in on the ground floor and growing with the space and potentially help and shape it as it, you know, grows in the future? So I think right now, you know, we've seen some great results from what we've been able to test in so far, but it's only the beginning. And we're just taking those insights and trying to make sure that they're even better and better in the future. So a measured, iterative approach and keeping your eyes on what's coming and doing a little bit of testing and piloting and tasting everything that's out there. I think it's so strategic. Kate, thank you so much for making the time to join us. You were such a fantastic guest and I couldn't be more grateful for you sharing all these insights with the Gen Z audience. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. So nice to meet you, Kate. Same. Avery, what a great conversation. Kate was incredible and so generous with her insights and her information and her time. And I thought the real takeaway for me was at a brand like PepsiCo, which is so large, multinational, multi-brand, global, thinking through and experimenting in the space is just such a big endeavor. And just hearing how she went about that was just very inspiring to me. What did you think? I loved having Kate as a guest. I think that often many of our listeners might not understand the complexity that goes into actually not just launching a program, but launching multiple programs across multiple brands, getting all that approved with legal, ensuring it's exciting for consumers, ensuring that they're thinking about this for the long term, and hearing how Kate has really taken this initial idea and built a whole team around it also really underscores the commitment that large organizations and enterprises like PepsiCo are making to this next iteration of the internet not unlike how they started to build specialist teams for digital media not so long ago. So it was really, really interesting to hear her take across the breadth of Cheetos and Gatorade and Pepsi and so many more, which I think is something a little bit new for us on this podcast. We've mostly spoken to people who are representing one brand really deeply versus a whole host of brands across a portfolio. Exactly. And that just like exponentially creates more complication. You know, and whether that's legal complication, different types of fans and different types of communities, different sponsorship spends and how you have to do integration, all of it just sounds both complicated, but also like 
a giant opportunity if you figure it out. And it sounds like she's doing the work. I also thought it was interesting how in the same way when you speak to Keith Grossman and he talks about someone asking him, I think it was Benioff, you know, should we be looking into NFTs and Web3? And then that was his moment to then start getting in, then going in fully. It feels like, you know, sort of Kate has drank, I don't know if Kool-Aid is actually a PepsiCo product, but has drank the proverbial Kool-Aid and... She's drinking the Gatorade. She's drinking the Gatorade, (laughs) exactly. And is, you know, fully committed to this. And from the innovation side, like, how cool is that? Like, you know, how much fun would it be to be in your job where this is what you get to play with all day? It is pretty fun. And that's exactly why I get to have my job at Vayner 3 is there's never a dull moment, always learning, always hearing something new and interesting, figuring things out and tinkering with what's going to work best you know, for Web3 native consumers and also what's going to bring this new technology to a broader audience and drive adoption for something that a lot of us really, really believe in. Absolutely. Well, with that, Avery, thank you so much for being here as always. For those listening, we love to hear from you. Please give us some comments. And Avery, I'll let you take it on. Great episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for making the time to listen to Generation C. We are always eager and open to hear your feedback. So if you're enjoying this, share it, give us a five star, send it to a friend. And if there's anyone you think we should consider having as a guest, let us know. We are all ears. So thank you again and hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you.